wonderful here. Uh, pianos and, and guitars. And I learned this week that beautiful instruments like that, the, the best ones, which I've known, are made by hand, you know, acoustic guitars and uh, pianos made of wood, selected carefully, cut to the right shape and tended for uh, carefully over many months. As someone has said, it's a very slow work. One thing I learned this week was uh, there's a documentary that describes how some of these instruments are made, and at one point they, they show a piano in process, and as someone put it, 12 patient months as this wood of its frame conforms into the piano-shaped curve. 12 months just sitting there being shaped. For someone who doesn't know the process, it can really look like nothing is happening at all. For 12 months, as that wood is just shaped and molded in small ways, that it might be part of a beautiful whole, that it might make music for years to come. As we continue our series in the parables today, we're looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. And Jesus tells a story, a parable, about the kingdom. And this particular parable, this story, is about the process that brings growth to and for God's people. Growth in maturity and in numbers. And it's a lot like making a piano or a guitar. It's a slow process. It's a process that can often look like nothing is happening at all. It can be filled with some mystery as we don't quite understand how it works. And yet in the end, what God is doing is something beautiful. He is creating beautiful people, beautiful community, beautiful activity, and a beautiful future. And what does that mean for us today? Well, let's see. Look with me here at God's Word in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. This is God's holy Word. And he was saying... The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits... He immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is God's word. Lord, would you meet us here today? Would you bless our ears, our eyes, our hearts, our families, our community by meeting us and changing us to be more like Jesus? We pray in his precious name. Amen. On that process of, of growing and becoming a follower of Jesus and what it looks like, Eugene Peterson wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. 
A long obedience in the same direction. That's how he described being a follower of Jesus. And during that long obedience, you know, we're a lot like musical instruments being shaped by hand, like a fine piano or guitar. We go through those periods where it might look like nothing at all is happening. Where we don't feel like we're changing, people don't see much change as we follow Jesus. It can look like for long periods that there's nothing really happening in our church community. We're having a minimal influence on the world around us. And that's not just during global pandemics. Peterson wrote that book almost 40 years ago about a long obedience in the same direction. He made that observation. And the subtitle of that book and why he felt the need to write that book was the subtitle, Discipleship in an Instant Society. A long obedience in the same direction was necessary because discipleship in an instant society is challenging. That was 40 years ago. Have we become less instant or more? Uh, My experience would say more. You know, uh, I'm very aware, and the other night I got very frustrated teaching one of my kids to drive, and they were doing fine. Light turns green. And there's traffic coming the other way, but, you know, first in line, if the light turns green, you got to jump in front of the other people, right? Or you're going to get a horn. It's not just the light turns green. It's like you got you to get moving. If you're not showing some evidence of being on board, I was very angry. <laughs> like he's starting to drive. We've got stickers all over the car. Have a little patience. No, we're in instant society. You got to show progress. You got to get moving. You know, if the web page doesn't load instantly, it's like, what is wrong with my Wi Fi? Let's reboot the router. If the delivery we're expecting doesn't start moving pretty quickly, and if we can't track it on an app and a phone and see it's in the neighborhood, and then they go the wrong way and they're not coming our way, right? We get very frustrated. I do anyway. You know, and in fact, I found this recently too. Like, we were shopping the other day and, uh, my wife asked me, well, why aren't we buying those, those cod filet things, you know, as like a lunch thing for the kids to do? I was like, because they don't microwave. You got to cook them. You got to put them in the oven. You got to preheat the oven. You got to put them on a tray. You got to put them in there like 15 minutes. Who has time for that? Let's get a hot pocket. Two minutes, man. Amen? We're in instant society. <laughs> Somebody said, no. Hot pocket's not worth the time savings, someone said. Yeah, I guess a miracle grow. We're impatient. We are an instant society, and even more so. And we realize as we try to follow Jesus, man, God's schedule, God's timing, God's process rarely meets our expectations. He's... He's on his own timetable. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew not only that that's how God operates, but Jesus knew that that would be a struggle for you and I. It would be a struggle for his followers back then. And so he shares this parable. Because that's a confusing thing for us to deal with. That as we live in this instant society, why aren't things happening? How do things happen? Why, why, why don't we see more progress in our own lives or in our church community, 
We told this parable, Jesus did, because we need to adjust our expectations. You need to adjust your expectations from instant to consistent. Jesus would have us adjust our expectations from instant to consistent because you're in a kingdom community. We are not like the world. We're going to have different priorities, different values, a different timetable, and things are just different for us. We've got to get moved from instant to consistent. We're in a kingdom community. So listen, growth will happen slowly and mysteriously until the end. That's what I want to unpack today as we look at this passage. The growth is going to happen slowly and mysteriously until the end. We are a part of a kingdom community. And that's the first thing to look at, actually, the, the aspect of being a kingdom community. We need clarity about community among God's people, among the followers of Jesus. We need clarity about community. It's a kingdom confusion. Look at verse 26. He was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. This is, this is the only aspect of interpretation that Jesus gives in this parable. He says this parable basically is about the kingdom. I'm going to tell you the kingdom is like so-and-so. And before we dig into what the so-and-so is, I want us to stop there and just say the kingdom. It's a parable about the kingdom, about the community that God brings together. And we need that clarity about community because there's this kingdom confusion. It was, it was a problem back in Jesus' day. In fact, it's most people in Jesus' day, when he started talking about the kingdom and when they read the scriptures speaking of the kingdom, they would think about earthly kingdoms. They would think about the coming of the kingdom and say, good, this means that God's ways are going to be enforced, especially against those Romans who are occupying us and oppressing us. That when God's kingdom comes, we will be set free from these earthly struggles and we will again have power. That was the common belief in Jesus' day if you talked about the kingdom of God. And it was such a problem that even as Jesus told countless parables about the kingdom, even as Jesus explained more fully what the kingdom was like with his followers, after the resurrection, just before he heads back to heaven, they're like, are you going to now? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus, is this when it's going to happen? That's what they said, paraphrasing Acts 1.6. And Jesus essentially said, guys, that's not the focus. I have stuff for you to do. He doesn't even answer their question. He says, I have things you need to do. That kingdom confusion, I think it remains for us today, and I think it's the main reason that Jesus spoke in parables. Because it's, it's a challenging topic. Jesus came to speak about the kingdom. He came to share about the kingdom. and consistently spoke about it from the beginning of his ministry. In fact, in Mark's Gospel, in chapter 1, it says uh, after John was taken into John the Baptist, after he was taken into custody. Jesus came into Galilee, Mark 1.14 says, preaching the gospel or the good news of God 
Mark 1.15, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. If you have some confusion about what the kingdom means, you're not going to understand what Jesus is saying when he speaks about the kingdom being at hand. What he's talking about is God's rule or God's reign. It might help. We've probably all heard enough about Queen Elizabeth and uh, British monarchy, but it is a helpful, maybe the only place that we, we have some commonality in understanding kings and queens, that this idea of reign and rule, Queen Elizabeth just died, so her reign and her rule just ended. King Charles takes the kingship, and so now his reign begins. His rule over Great Britain is beginning. That's the sense when the Bible speaks of kingdom, it's talking about God's rule, God's reign, R-E-I-G-N, God's reign over, over what? Over his people. He rules over all things, but the kingdom is very often specifically focused on the people. The people who submit to God's rule, as Jesus put it, right? The time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the gospel. Turn from your own ways back to God and make him your king. Submit to the rule and reign of God that you might be part of this kingdom communion. So the kingdom confusion should give way to kingdom communion if we get clarity about what community is. It's God bringing us together as a people under Him. You don't enter the kingdom of God by finding a border on some physical map and entering with the right paperwork. You enter it by submitting to the rule of God over you, over your life, over your family, over your job, over your world, over your future over your past, over your eternity, over anything that is. You take God as your king. And so as Jesus speaks these parables, he's talking about what does it mean to live in that kingdom, to submit to the rule and reign of God, to actually do it from your heart. Because that's what it's about. The kingdom is a spiritual reality as Jesus talks about it. It, it is hidden except as it bears fruit in the lives of the citizens of that kingdom. You don't find a border somewhere on a map and say, oh, that's the kingdom. You see the fruit happening in the lives of people and you say, oh, they're in the kingdom. They're living a different way. That theme of the kingdom was always in the Bible. It's not like Jesus brought about something new. He emphasized it and, and made it clear in ways that weren't understandable, that had been confused in the past. You just even think about one simple example is Abram when he was called in Genesis chapter 12. He says, Abram, you know, leave your land, your country. Go to the place I'm going to tell you. I'm going to bless you. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And through you, through your seed, through your descendants, Abram, I'm going to bless all the families of the world. That's 
what God always had in mind was that through his people, through the people who submit to his rule, that he would bless not just one particular patch of land, not just one ethnic group or one demographic, but he would bless the world. That's the kingdom talk. It's, it's, it's the clarity that we need. And so he speaks through these parables to, to help us understand that through these analogies that we've been looking at and the stories that we call parables. And so as we think about that and get the clarity on the kingdom of God and what it is and what it isn't, you know, ask that question of yourself. What, what do I, what is my understanding of the kingdom? It's a sad strain of history in the United States of America that we have confused the kingdom of God with our U.S. activity. When you look through the history, it's heartbreaking. I remember homeschooling the kids years ago and the first times that I had seen biblical language applied to the United States of America from the floor of the Congress. Those promises that were made to God's people were made to the people who submit to his rule and reign. Those promises are not tied geographically to one place or to one nation. They have no borders. They are for people from every tongue and tribe and nation. We can't confuse that. That's been a historic pattern in the United States of America and other places as well. And we are in danger of buying into it again. I am very thankful. I, I am not thankful enough, probably, to be a citizen born and raised in the United States of America. I would not trade that. But I am so much more thankful that no matter where I am from, God let me in to his kingdom. That's the priority. To be a citizen of that kingdom, it relativizes our relationship with every other kingdom on earth. And it is so beautiful, brothers and sisters, that, that we here in this room, and we who are members of Crossroads Community Church, we get to see that and not forget it. At least if we come every Sunday, we get to see that, you know what, it doesn't matter if you were born a citizen of Liberia or Nigeria, a citizen of India or Pakistan, a citizen of China or Great Britain, that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And together we share in this beautiful communion, this fellowship with one another and with God himself, that we would be that close that we could be brothers and sisters, fellow citizens together with one another. It's a beautiful picture that God gives us, and we are especially blessed to have here at Crossroads. That we can together work as a kingdom community. That's the clarification, and it sets the stage that we need to have for understanding this parable. As we turn to look at the parable specifically, we're not going to spend a ton of time with it, and we won't dig into all of its details, because the themes actually occur several times, but we do need to unpack it a little bit. This describes a particular aspect of the kingdom, of the way God works in his community. What's that particular aspect? It has two, two facets. The first one is this, of growing. This is the seeds, growing. The seeds. And the first thing is that there's mystery. 
The way the growth happens is somewhat mysterious. Look at verse 26. He was saying, Jesus was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. The word for cast there is is a more generic word than what was used in the soil and the sower. That word was putting seeds out, seeding basically. This word is just generally throwing. A man went out and he's throwing the seeds. The focus then shifts. It's not on the man or his actions. It's on the seeds. Look at verse 27. He casts seeds upon the soil, verse 27, and he, the man, goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The seed sprouts. You know, you think of springtime, if you have bulbs anywhere, you know, in your yard or, or, or near where you live, you see that just a little tendril pops up. And you know, oh, wow, you know, especially in the spring as it warms up, you start to see them, and especially if the ground is just cold and dark and not a lot of growth, you just see them pop up. This, they sprout. Boom, they sprout, they bud, and then they grow. And the, the image there is lengthening, stretching out as the seed pops up. And then it stretches out and it grows. And and what does the man have to do with all of this? What's his awareness of this process of what's going on? He just goes to bed and he gets up. It's day and night. And this is happening. How? He himself doesn't know. The description emphasizes time passing. He goes to bed and he gets up. It's day and night. And these things happen and it just happens. and, And he doesn't know. How? The emphasis is on the seed growing, on the process. How does that happen? And, you know, we could describe it, you know, you can go Google it later on, or, you know, find on Wikipedia, I'm sure, more articles than you can imagine about how that actually happens. And you can become an expert in, in how seeds grow, especially wheat, right? Jesus' point is not to give any of that. Jesus' point is to say, you know what? This is about the kingdom, and growth in the kingdom is mysterious. It seems to be that the one casting the seed is not Jesus because I don't think this is mysterious to him, right? The, the, the one casting the seed is, is less important. It's, it's whoever's throwing the seed out there. And mostly it seems to me it's probably implicating the people of God casting the seed wherever they cast it. And, and we don't know how it happens, that the growth comes about, but it does. He doesn't talk about fertilizing, he doesn't talk about rain, he doesn't talk about any of those things, right? He's just emphasizing this one point that the man doesn't know how it's happening. There's mystery in the growth. That the seed goes out and maturity happens. So there's mystery and maturity as we speak of growth. Look at verse 28. The soil produces crops by itself. The soil produces crops. It bears fruit by itself. So is it about the soil? Kinda. Kinda. It's the seed and the soil plus time bringing about crops that grow automatos is the Greek word there. Automatos. that sound familiar? Automatically. That's where we get that word. It's from the Greek. Something that happens by itself. The growth of the seed as this hits the soil and there's time, it's going to grow. 
The man doesn't know how, the soil does. The soil just makes it happen. The seed with the soil plus time, day and night, it passes, and the seed becomes wheat. And it's a process you can see, like he says here in verse 28, first the blade, you know, the long stalk part, and then the head, the, the flowery spiky part, and then the mature grain, the actual kernels of wheat that you want to get out of the fruit. Like that's the growth process. You don't know how it's happening or when it's going to happen. Just time passes and you've thrown the seed out there and it's hit the soil and it grows. There's this process that's got mystery as well as maturity until the harvest. That's our, our last point here. The growing seeds lead to gathering the harvest. Gathering harvest. Look at verse 29. This gathering happens at the end. Verse 29, when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Right? Typically, a crop go, grows, right? And the farmer has a sense of, okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's reached the point of full maturity. Now is the time I should harvest it. And he puts the sickle in back in those days. Uh, you know, picture a wooden pole with that curved metal blade attached to it. And you're just going in and you're, you're scything or sickling down the wheat, chopping it down, and then you continue the process of gathering it together, letting it dry out, and you throw it, and you separate the wheat and the chaff. doesn't talk about any of that in here. He just says, essentially, that the crop is going to grow until it's reached maturity. And then it's the end. The focus is on the whole crop, not individual blades. This is not like once you've reached maturity, you're going to go you know, be harvested, right? The picture is all of the kingdom, that once the harvest has reached its fullness, once God has every single blade, every single grain of wheat that he wants in the kingdom, that's when the harvest will come. If you flip it around, as long as the crop is not yet mature, the kingdom will keep growing in numbers and in maturity. And the individual blades will keep developing as they grow and they sprout the head and the mature grain. The whole field is going to be getting larger as the seed is scattered. That's the process. And Jesus emphasizes that by pointing out that there's an end. And so you say, well, so what now? Because we're not at the end, right? If you want to hasten the end, scatter more seeds and grow in maturity and help other people grow to maturity, right? Because once all of the crop has reached maturity, that's the end. And of course, that's pointing to the final judgment. It's pointing to heaven. It's pointing to eternity when God makes everything right. So if, if you want that to come more quickly... Scatter the seeds, help the rest of the sprouts and the growth to mature, and give it the time. It's, it's really, it's that simple in a sense. That Jesus is emphasizing this growth is going to continue until the end. This the mystery of how it happens and when it happens and where it happens and why it happens, yet the still growing maturity among the kingdom community. There's not instant results. It calls for consistency. 
We need to shift from being instant to being consistent. That's a mark of a kingdom community. Don't get discouraged that you don't see huge numbers. In fact, after the pandemic, you know, our, 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 our attendance in here is 50% or so of what it was before the pandemic. It's hard not to be discouraged by that. And, and if, if you're, you know, it's one of the few numbers we can look at. Oh, the attendance is down. Oh, the attendance is up. It's like, maybe there's more than just attendance. How are we growing in maturity? You know, the, the, the process that Jesus is talking about of how the kingdom grows relativizes in a lot of ways everything that we do that's not involved in scattering seeds and growing up to maturity. But when you think about it, everything that we do ought to be oriented to those things pretty much. If we think about ourselves in a community, outside of worshiping God, and we do those things to the glory of God, right? That's the whole story, is it not? That we're to scatter seeds. And you might be thinking, evangelism. You know, we all have to, we all have to get out there and spread the word and share the gospel. And that's very true, right? That might look differently for you than for me. We all have different ways to do that. We should be prepared to share the gospel. And I'll give you a little hit tip. Lord willing, we are planning to have a Share Your Faith workshop a couple weeks before Easter. You've got plenty of time to plan ahead. You can set your calendar, mark it on your calendar. We'll have more information. But be thinking two weeks before Easter of 2023, Lord willing, we're going to have a Share Your Faith workshop Saturday morning into the afternoon. And you can come and learn a simple gospel outline that you would feel more prepared to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Uh, hopefully, Lord willing, out of that will be a rebuilding of our follow-up process. And we're going to need people to be a part of that. To just come alongside with someone who goes to visit a church visitor, someone who goes, goes alongside to follow up with someone who attends one of our events, Kids Fair, Camp Treasure Island, whatever, right? to follow up that we might scatter the seeds and that we might see those seeds grow because we're scattering some seeds with our ministries right now and we need to follow up. Where is it maturing? How can we help growth to continue? And the ways that we can do that, especially if you think about it with attendance being down and with our numbers being down, that's a reality after the pandemic. There's not a lot we can do. We can do some things. But we need to focus. And if, if we want to scatter the seeds effectively, we can be strategic about it. We're not going to do a million things. We're going to do a few. And we're going to scatter those seeds. And we're going to pay attention to see, is there, is there growth happening? Are we seeing little shoots popping up? Are we seeing like a little blade? You know, we're starting to see uh, maturity. And support that growth. Because as long as the seed keeps being scattered and the crop is not yet mature, the kingdom is going to keep growing. It's going to happen slowly and it's going to happen mysteriously, but it's going to keep happening. 
So, application, every one of us, hey, am I maturing? Because if, if, if I'm here and you're here, we're all still here, and we're not in heaven yet, if the end hasn't come yet, we need to keep maturing and growing. If you're not, you're going backwards, right? That's the soils. Something's probably choking your growth. So how are you growing and maturing? Sure, come, engage in sermons and in worship together. Uh, young people, come to the youth group, to, to next gen, morning, evening, if, if you can, one or the other. Uh, parents, get your children to our restarted uh, faith kids, bitty builders, what's the other one called? Uh, faith kids, Is that, yeah, yeah. Uh, come on out Sunday mornings, 8.30, these kids are singing, they're learning the Bible, they're applying it at school during the week, aren't they? I know at least one person was. You know, that, that maturity, that growth, that's what he's calling us to. And, and as you grow in that maturity, and as we strive to scatter those seeds, not just in the community around us, but even among our own people and our own children and in other opportunities, there's a, there's a thing that happens that, in fact, as we, as we begin to scatter the seeds, and maybe we take a step and we say, you know what, I'm just going to start praying, Lord, if you, if you want me to go share the gospel and learn to share my faith better, Lord, give me the courage. Lord, bring someone in my life to help and mentor me, to hold me accountable. You know, start praying for that. But that's a step in maturity to say, you know, this is an area of weakness for me and I need to grow. And I'm willing, Lord, would you lead me? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you're doing that. Maybe you're mature. And maybe what God is calling you to do is to step up and beyond just leading yourself and doing a great job discipling and growing yourself to maybe lead some others. Maybe it's time to just take a slot in the Sunday school rotation. You know, we could use more opportunities for maturity in smaller groups. We don't have any real plans. There's so many things we could do. But if that's on your heart, please talk to me. This, this maturity and growth God has promised is going to come. And we might not see it, but it's happening. And if we're patient and persevering, the harvest will come. We pray with me. Lord Jesus, You've called us into a kingdom community. You've called us to adjust our expectations from, from the instant society that's all around us and even in our own hearts, Lord. You've called us to be a kingdom community for a long view. Lord, we think of our children here in this church community. Give us the grace to have a long view of investing in them, not just doing a thing to get them busy on a Sunday morning, but Lord, to invest in them and to disciple them and to see them grow up, to have a lasting faith, that they might mature, Lord, as they're sprouting from the soil even, Lord, they might grow and lengthen and bear fruit for all of their days, Lord, whether they're just newly born and we invest in them through that phase or they're 18 years old, Lord, give us the grace. Help us to invest in one another, Lord, and in our own growth. Lord, that we might be more fully your people, for you are 
our God. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.